Welcome to the Payoff Pitch presented by DNL Window Tinting on Fanimal Radio. DNL Window Tinting, we put the shades on the sun. And I'm Paul Valley, and joining me today in studio is Dylan Atkinson. Dylan's been on the show a couple of times, and this is his first time in studio. Dylan, thanks for joining us today. Hey, Paul, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Glad to have you in studio. Uh, the Orioles, they won a ball game last night. The, they won 4 to 2 over the, um, oh my God, who are they playing? Toronto Blue Jays. Oh my God. Over the Toronto Blue Jays, <laughs> I completely had a brain lapse there, folks. My my apologies. Uh, they beat the Toronto Blue Jays four to two. All these games seem to blend together when you're covering a bad baseball team. But um, so they win four to two. They got another really great pitching performance out of John Means. He went five innings, gave up just the one earned run. The bullpen, four innings, one earned run. And the pitching has really taken over for the Orioles over the last week or so of games. If you recall, the um, the team won a game in their first game of the road trip against Texas, 12-11, to but they had a 12-5 to lead going into that ninth inning. Bullpen gave up seven runs, six earned, and Brandon Hyde went nuts after that game, if you recall. Yes, he, uh, it, you could definitely tell in his post-game interview that, uh, that he was trying to hold back his anger a little bit. He was, he was still pleased with a win overall because wins, of course, defeat losses any, any way, shape, or form you can get them. But you could tell he definitely wasn't pleased by the pitching performances, especially out of the bullpen. And, uh, and they showed on the Masson broadcast the next day that uh, pitching coach Doug Brocale pretty much lit into the pitchers before the game. They, they showed video of him talking to the, the pitching staff as a whole, both starters and relievers. And he was the only one doing the talk, and everybody was just watching and listening to him. And since then, they've been lights out. I mean, it's been six games, and they've averaged uh, two and a half earned runs allowed per game. Well, right. Yeah, the, the, the starters, actually, John Means, his start last night, he went five innings, gave it to one earned run. And that's a good start by any stretch, right? Mm -hmm. But that actually broke a string of five straight quality starts from the, from the rotation. Now, quality start is six innings, three earned runs by definition. That's a four and a half ERA, which, you know, that's not really all that quality to me. But I mean, by baseball standards, six innings, three runs, you're giving your chance, your team a chance to win the ball game. And by any stretch, that the Orioles have been doing that. John Means, five innings, one run, somehow that's not a quality start, but they got the job done. And the starters ERA since that first game in Texas is 283. Even better, relievers ERA since that game, 169. You mentioned that the team ERA is about two and a half, it's 2.4 since they won that game 12-11 in Arlington. Now, the record doesn't really show that they're only 2-4 and four in those six games since then, but they're playing better baseball, and it's a lot better to watch, right? Oh, yeah, it's, it's a lot better to watch. I mean, it, if, you, if you told me that the Orioles were going to go into Texas and Houston, um, who are both holding playoff positions right now, and they were going to take two out of four, but the, but every game is going to be a close game. You you know you, you would see both good offensive performances uh, mixed in there, as well as uh, five quality starts in six games. I would take that all day, it, yeah. it, it, especially for the Orioles who have the worst record in baseball right now. Well, yeah, I mean twenty one and forty five. They their records leaving much to be desired, and. You hear comments from, or you see comments on Twitter from guys like John Heyman, who says he feels bad for all the people that have to cover the Orioles for the, fi for the final 99 games after, now that the draft's over because there's not much to get excited about. I don't think that's the case. We've seen that based on the pitching. And then Richie Martin comes out. Richie Martin, you know, he's been struggling all year. He's only hitting about 178 this year. His last 15 games, he's hitting 238. 
which is better for a guy who's been hitting below 180 all year. And in his last seven games, he's 6-for-19, with a, so that's a 316 average, two home runs, 381 on base percentage over the last seven games. And he came out after he hit that home run to really seal the win over Houston the other day in the ninth inning. I think it was his second ninth inning home run in three games, right? Mm-hmm. And he came out and he said, we have a good team, a couple, a couple of balls fall our way, and we're right in the mix. It's hard to say the team that has 21 wins and was the last professional baseball team to make it to 20 wins has, is, is a good team, but they're pitching better. They've been hitting all year for the most part. What do you think about Richie's comments? Can you really take them, or do you have to take them with a grain of salt? I mean, you, you kind of have to take them with a grain of salt, but at the same time, he, he's a rookie. It's his first year in the big leagues. So sometimes if you have a, a, a veteran on the mic in an interview, you know, that they may be a little bit more honest with themselves. But with Richie Martin, he, he may have also been talking about just that they've been playing like a good team as of late. That may have been where he was going with those comments without really uh, finishing him off. Um, but it, it's one of those things where, as a rookie, he's, he's going to say that. I, I think he really just enjoys the atmosphere that he's in right now. It's clear that uh, they have a lot of good guys in that clubhouse. So even with the losing baseball, which I'm sure they hate doing, um, they, they seem to have really good clubhouse chemistry right now. And mm-hmm. So I think that uh, with Martin being a rookie, his first taste in the big leagues, I, I think he's really just enjoying himself right now. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And it's easy for somebody who, okay, so he's never been above double A. He was, he was a Rule 5 draft pick. This is his first taste of big league experience. And his glove is mainly why he's managed to stick on the roster. His bat's finally starting to make a little bit of noise, if we can mm-hmm. say that, after the small sample size of the last seven games. But he's never played on a big league club. These are all players that are better than anybody he's ever played with. They're all Major League Baseball players. You know, and you, you got guys like... John Means, who's pitching well, and Dylan Bundy, who's stepping up. Andrew Kashner, who's a bulldog, even with that 4.73 ERA. He's got Trey Mancini on his team. Renato Nunez, who's got 16 home runs. These are quality major league players. So, of course, he's going to sit there and he's going to think that this is a really good team because they're better than anybody he's ever played with. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you there. As you noted, he hasn't played above AAA. If, if I recall correctly, Martin is a former first-round pick out of right. Oakland. Um, so to for him to have the kind of up and down seasons in the minors is, is probably pretty disappointing for him as a former first round pick. Um, but for him to to finally break through and even with a Rule Five status, break into the major leagues, see this type of competition, even though he struggled through it, um, I, I think with this latest little uh, power surge, if you will, um, I, I think he's just really enjoying it right now. Yeah, and who wouldn't? You're living, you're living the life of a major league baseball player. Who wouldn't yes. enjoy that? Yes. Uh, now we mentioned we were talking about the starters' ERA. We're talking about the rotation. I mean, the uh, relievers' ERA. Excuse me. Um, if we want to get into a little bit of individuality, you wrote an article about Dylan Bundy, and last year was a dismal season. He was pitching well, had a 3.75 ERA going into that June start, uh, following that June start against Atlanta, but he turned his ankle in that start, missed a couple of weeks, and then he came back and he clearly wasn't the same pitcher. Ended up giving up 23 home runs over his last like 15 starts, I want to say, or 13 starts, and he just was not the Dylan Bundy we were used to seeing. This year, the velocity is markedly lower on his fastball, uh, and you wrote about that in your article. Tell us a little bit about your article and what you're seeing from Dylan Bundy and how he's combated his early struggles to turn in some quality performances. Yeah, so uh, it's... 
he had the worst season of his major league career last year, as you noted. Um, and everybody's thinking, well, it can't get worse than this, right? He, he's, he's a clear bounce-back candidate. Well, his first six starts this year didn't get any better for him. He had a 6-6-7 ERA. Um, but in the last seven games, he has turned around with a 3-0-2 ERA. And that's in thanks to the part that he's finally mixing up his pitches a little bit more. In his first six starts, he was throwing his fastball more than 50% of the time. And that was just getting hammered. He left it up in the zone, even down in the zone. It was getting hit hard. He wasn't fooling anybody with it, especially with the downtick in, in velocity. Uh, but over his last seven starts, he's brought his four-seam uh, uh, usage down to, to just over 42%. He's starting to mix in the, the slider and change up a little bit more, as well as the curveball a little bit more, although he's, he still has yet to uh, get too much of a feel for, for his curveball so far. Um, and he, he's, he's credited his latest success to mixing up his pitches a little bit more. I think now he's kind of learning more to be a pitcher, whereas previously when he had the high velo and everything, if, if his, uh, his slider or his cutter wasn't on, if his changeup wasn't on, he couldn't get a feel for his curveball, he could say, here's 97. Mm -hmm. You know, but he can't really do that now. He's he's topping out at, at 93, 94, and that's maybe once a start. Right. So, you know, he's he's hitting mostly 90, 91. So he's kind of learning that I can't blow these guys away with this. Um, and he made another adjustment going into into Houston with all the mixing up of his pitches. He actually brought his fastball usage back up against Houston. I guess kind of to be proactive to combat possibly Houston's adjustments to seeing mm -hmm. that, that he's, he's throwing that's some junk out there. Yes, that's a very good ball club. I, I know they're missing uh, Springer and Altuber right now. But, and Correa. And Correa, yes. And so you can give a little exception there, but um, that's, even without those three players, that's still a very good ball club and a, and a tough ball club to beat. Um, he, he performed great there. And... Uh, even with the, uh, I believe he allowed two runs over six innings, I think it was. Yeah, he he had the misfortune of being on the wrong side of a couple of errors that cost, um, and poor defensive plays that cost the Orioles the game. Yes. Uh, I think he gave up three earned run, three runs, but only two of them were earned. Correct, yeah. And uh, the uh, the he did allow a two-run homer to, uh, to Alvarez, which was his first big league hit. Mm -hmm. And Homer, but it was a change-up down in the zone. Sometimes you just tip your cap on those ones. Well, that guy just hit a he, – he homered in a second straight ball game uh, to start his big league career on a change-up also. That he just mm – -hmm. I mean, he literally just golfed it off the ground and knocked it over the wall. The guy's got insane power. So, at, at first, you're like, that's a rookie that you're giving up a home run to. But I mean, he had 23 home runs and, what was I think, 76 RBIs in 51 minor league games. Mm -hmm. that, that, that dude's been mashing at the minors. The reason he's a top-20 prospect in the game right now. Oh, yeah. I, absolutely. So, uh, e even with Alvarez's bomb and everything, Bundy still turned in a very good performance. Um, I, I think he's really learning how to become more of a major league pitcher now, um, mixing his pitches a little bit more. He's showing a little bit better command now. And uh, the slider's just nasty right now. Yeah. It's coming in about 24% uh, of the time in his last uh, seven starts, which is uh, up 5% from, oh, wow. from, okay. from his first six. And, and right now, it's working for him. All right, and I read in that article you, you were talking about the fastball and how that's been getting pounded and pounded and pounded. Batting average against his two-seam and four-seam fastball, well over 300. Slugging percentage, well over 500 for both of them. And in, in some cases, getting close to 700. Am I right? Mm -hmm. So, but then you look at his off-speed stuff, his changeup, his curveball, his slider. I think the highest batting averages in the 220s. 
there with a, and the other against the the curveball and the changeup. I think it was the batting average is below 200, and the slugging percentage is right around what 330. Uh, like yes, uh, uh, yes. So the changeup uh, opponents are batting 224 off of them with with a, a 433 slugging. So that that's not totally ideal, but he's still doing a good job with it. With his slider, uh, opposing hitters are batting 119 and slugging 237. Wow. And his curveball, they're batting 100 with a 300 slugging. Right, and those numbers are microscopic mm -hmm. in baseball, and it just goes to show maybe they're onto something here with him. You know, like, like we said, that fastball, it's never going to touch 97, 98 ever again. Mm -hmm. He's lucky if he hits 94 once a start. Mm -hmm. So if he can mix in his off-speed stuff, uh, change it up on them a little bit, stop throwing the fastball 50% of the time, he's obviously started to do that, and it's shown a lot of success for him. So... Uh, we're going to go ahead and we're going to get a break here for our sponsorship. When we come back, we're going to have more with Dylan Atkinson. We're going to continue talking about the Orioles' strong pitching and some offensive pro um, producers that you wouldn't think about. In your home, sunshine can stream in through windows, bringing a cheerful feel and warmness to any room. Sometimes, though, it brings in too much warmth, even harmful ultraviolet light and solar energy that can raise energy bills, drain the color from your fabrics and furnishings, and cast a blinding glare on your television or computer screens. DNL Window Tinting can protect your home from all of this while saving you money on energy bills. Start saving today by calling DNL at 410-941-2942. That's 410-941-2942. Welcome back to the Payoff Pitch presented by DNL Window Tinting. DNL Window Tinting, we put the shades on the sun. Uh, back in studio again with Dylan Atkinson here. We were just talking about Dylan Bundy, who's 3-3 three three with a 3.02 ERA over his last seven innings. But he's not the only one contributing to this starting rotation right now. Uh, we talked about John Means a little bit at the beginning of the show. ERA, 260. If he had a third of an inning more, he would qualify for the ERA title, and he would be sixth in the American League, and I think tenth in all of baseball with that 260 ERA, six and four. The Orioles have two guys in John Means and Andrew Kashner who have six wins this year. First of all, Andrew Kashner only won four games all of last year. I think it was four and 16 or four and 18, something like that. Um, so he's already got two more wins than he had last year. Dylan Bundy led the staff with eight wins in 2018, and it looks like we have a couple of guys who could reach double digits in wins this year. Kashner, ERA is 473, like we said a little bit earlier. But when you look at it, he's had four blow-up starts, right? Uh, but he's had nine starts of, a three, of 300 runs or less of his 13, and he's had six quality starts. Puts him at 6-2 and two with a 473 ERA. Last year, he'd come into a ball game, he'd start a ball game, and you'd be like, oh, God, we're going to need to start, get the bullpen up in the third or fourth inning. Now you feel like he goes out there and you can trust him, right? Yes, uh, uh, absolutely. And, and um as you said before, he has been an absolute bulldog this season, despite the high ERA. But he's he's done his part in keeping the team in ball games. I mean, we saw um, a few starts ago when he was at home pitching against the Giants. He, he gave up what five or six innings, uh, five or six runs in the first inning. Right. Most pitchers fold after that. Mm -hmm. He stuck through and, and put through five five innings. So he does his part in saving the bullpen a bit. He doesn't get knocked out of games early. He may give up his, his fair share of runs, some long balls here and there, some hard, hard contact, but he, do, but he does his job as far as pitching into the fifth and sixth innings, sometimes the seventh, and saving that bullpen a bit and keeping the team in ball games. Oh, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And like we said, not the only one contributing. Uh, in addition to that, Bundy pitching well, Means pitching well, Kashner going out there and giving you what you need out of a starter. 
Like, look, would you want his ERA in the mid threes? Of course. But this is a rebuilding ball club. He's going out there. At least he's giving them the chance to compete night in and night out when he takes the ball and goes on the bump. Another guy, Gabriel Noah, kind of stabilized this rotation a little bit. You were, you're marching guys out there like David Hess, who he had a quality start in his last game, but I still don't have a lot of faith in him. And Dan Straley, who's been relegated to the bullpen, Noah takes over, three starts, 15 innings pitches. ERA is 420, which is a serviceable ERA in the major leagues. That's a, that gets you 12 million a year as a major mm -hmm. league starter. Yes, I, I, I totally agree there. And, and as we as we discussed and before, a quality start by definition is six innings, three runs allowed. That's a 4.50 ERA. His ERA is below that, which is more than enough for a quality start. And his last start in Houston, he pitched six innings, allowed three runs, quality start. So right now, he has been a stabilizer right now in the rotation. We don't know if he will sustain that success or not. But for right now, it has definitely been an improvement over what uh, Dan Straley was doing before they swapped bullpen and rotation there. So it, he's definitely helped out the ball club there. Absolutely. And it's, it's one of those things, Brandon Hyde's got to be giddy at this point, based on what he saw the first two months of the season with that rotation and then that dumpster fire of a bullpen whose ERA was approaching six as a ball club. We talked about how good they've been the last week or so. And then... You look at individual performance, Michael Gibbons, he looked like he had completely forgotten who he was out there, but now he's had four straight uh, scoreless appearances. He's given up zero earned runs in the last four and a third innings pitch, one walk, eight strikeouts. Gibbons finally starting to regain that trust that he had lost after those couple of blow-ups against the Yankees. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree there. And uh, it's one thing that, that Brandon Hyde mentioned last night, which I totally agree with, is that he looks like a totally different person out there. He, it looks like he's trusting his stuff more. Like it, it seemed like when he was going through his struggles, getting blown up in, in, uh, in New York and Colorado and everything like that, he went on the mound and you could almost see a look in his eye that mm. he felt he was about to give up a bomb. But now he, he comes onto the scene. He, he came, came into the game last night to shut down the save. And as soon as he took the mound, you could see almost a different look in his eye. Mm -hmm. he's, he's trusting his stuff more. He's trusting to be able to throw the fastball by guys. He, he's trusting his slider, everything like that. So it, a lot of it really has, has to go down to confidence. And uh, I, I think it may have been a big thing with Broke Hale's meeting with the pitchers where he pretty much lit into these guys and said, I don't care what you're feeling right now. You just got to go do it. Mm -hmm. And Gibbons like, okay, I got to go do it which he has been lately. So um, it, it's really nice to see that he's back on track and could end up being a trade piece for the Orioles if he does continue the success out of the bullpen. He could be. He could be. And I like the, what you said about Brokale going up to the pitchers and, and laying into him and saying, look, you got to get it done. You got to get the job done. A lot of these guys are young guys. You, 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 forget, you forget about Givens, Castro, Richard Blyer, because they've been there, they've done that. But you have guys like... Evan Phillips, who's you know really just becoming a major league pitcher, uh, Paul Fry, just becoming a major league pitcher, and these guys, I think it's very easy to look. Look, you're not getting called up to the major leagues, regardless of if, it, if it's a rebuilding ball club or not. You're not getting called up if you're not performing at the minor league level. You're not going to be pitching to a 5-4 ERA and get the call to the big club, right? You got to perform. Mm -hmm. Evan Phillips, this is a guy who down at Norfolk. Only allowed three walks in 10 and two-thirds innings pitches. Whip is .66. That's two-thirds of a walk and a hit per innings pitched, right? Comes up to the major league level, 
He's had 13 games, 14 and two-thirds innings pitch. He's walked 13 batters. Hasn't allowed a home run at all, and his ERA is 697. And what does that tell me? That he's given up runs because he's walking too many guys. He's given up 15 hits, which is about a, a hit per inning if you look at the 14 and two-thirds innings pitch. That's okay. But the walks, 13 walks, and this is a guy, all it is, he's trying to be too fine. He's not trusting his stuff because he thinks that, well, as a minor league pitcher, I need to be that much better. Trust what got you there and do what you do. There's a reason that he's up here. The 13 walks, they've got to come down. I, I looked up his numbers last night. In every appearance that he's given up a run, he has at least one walk. Yeah, I mean, his command is definitely off right now, especially at the big league level for all of the stints that he's made this season. He's been up and down all season long. Um, he has before, performed well in his minor league career. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think one thing that I like to look back at is a lot of times we forget that these ballplayers are human. Right. And being human, not all of them are able to have the same mentality when they take the mound in a big spot like, like the major leagues mm -hmm. as they do when they're in a minor league ballpark and there's only 100 fans there. Right. So, so it could be a thing where he's not trusting his stuff as much. The nerves are getting to him a little bit when he, when he takes the mound on a big league stage. So, and and I, I think that's a big thing with a lot of players and pitchers when they step up to the plate or take the mound in a big league game and that's when they get labeled as a quadruple A player. Mm -hmm. Which, uh, unless Phillips can uh, start trusting his stuff a little bit more and sharpening the command a bit at the major league level, that may be his role as a quadruple-A player who um, is the guy who gets the call-ups for, for, as the 26th man of a doubleheader and stuff like that. But uh, he does need to sharpen the command up if he wants to stay at the big league level instead of being on the Norfolk shuttle all the time. Right, and then somebody else in that bullpen who needs to sharpen, needed to sharpen that command uh, was looking like a quad A player. Miguel Castro mm -hmm. was not, you know, instilling a lot of confidence in, in the coaching staff. But his last nine outings, pitching to a 2.08 ERA, he's given up just three earned runs and uh, 13 innings pitched. What have you seen from him? Because I, I believe it was you who noticed that he was throwing from a different arm angle earlier this year, and then he even said something about it as you were about to write an article about it. Uh, he had talked to Rock Kabako about it from MassInSports.com, and I don't know if it was right then he started to turn it around, but he's really turned his season around ever since, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. So, so yes, I, I did write that article. That was on April 24th, where mm -hmm. I noticed that he was throwing from a completely different arm slot. He was coming down more sidearm than his usual three-quarter delivery. Uh, Castro noted that that wasn't a purposeful change. That, that was something that he didn't notice was in his mechanics. He didn't realize that was happening and that that was something that needed to be fixed. Since then... 22 and two-thirds innings pitched with a 2.78 ERA wow. since he fixed that adjustment there. And in his last six games, 10 innings pitched, a .90 ERA, and that was just one run allowed, and that one run came last night on a blue pit. Mm -hmm. So he's pitched very well right now. And in his last three games and four innings pitched, one hit. Wow. One hit allowed. So lately, since he realized that adjustment that, that needed to happen, he's been lights out for the Orioles. Well, and that one hit that he gave up, that was that bloop over the first baseman's head last night. That's a ball that's probably caught more often than not. Oh, yeah. Right? So, I mean, that's impressive stuff. I had no idea that his that over 22, what was it, 22 outings or 22 innings? Uh, 18 outings, 22 and two-thirds innings. So, and he's, the, so he's pitching more than one inning and outing right now. And I had no idea he, his ERA was, you said, 278 over those 18 outings. 
that's a that's a large chunk of the season. That's that's a third of your season for most relievers. That's that's great stuff right there. And when you combine him with Sean, Sean Armstrong, who's got a 169 ERA in 15 games with Baltimore, he's got 13 scoreless outings in those 15 games. Richard Blyer, really bad season to start the year. He was probably not quite ready coming off that injury, but five of his last six outings have been scoreless. He's got a 352 ERA over his last seven games. And then Paul Fry, he's like the forgotten man in the bullpen, but all that that dude has done is come in and compete every single outing. He's got... An, what I like about Paul Fry is his ERA has gone down every month. He had two outings in March. His ERA was over six. Uh, in April, 3.75. In May, 2.79. And in June, his ERA is 2.08. He's got a 3.29 ERA overall. Nobody talks about him because he's just been so steady that you just expect it. You know what I mean? But when you combine Fry with uh, you know, rejuvenated Blyer and Castro and Gibbons and Sean Armstrong, who's been rock solid since he came over here, this bullpen is starting to look pretty decent, you know, and when you combine that with a rotation that's finally starting to pitch a little bit more confidence, I think the Orioles are probably starting to, are going to start to play better baseball. The question is, is this pitching sustainable? I mean, I, I think it definitely is sustainable. Uh, I think it all has to do with potential. I mean, we, we've seen a lights out Michael Gibbons before. We've seen right. a lights out Richard Blyer before. And even a couple of seasons ago, we saw a very solid Miguel Castro. So these, these there are, even though it's a very young ball club, some young pitchers on the staff, there are quite a few pitchers who have a few years of major league experience of having success at the big league level. So I think it definitely is sustainable. Um, and the Orioles all season have been going with an extra reliever in the bullpen mm -hmm. while going short on the bench. Most American League teams have four guys on their bench. The Orioles have had run short with three, and even in the cases when Severino and Villar got hurt in the same game and were listed as day-to-day, day -day, well, that's good that they didn't have to go on the injured list, but bad because they don't have any available guys on the bench. They, they one and two-man bench. You took yeah. the words right out of my mouth. It, it, exactly. So, but lately, but last night, Brandon Hyde said that uh, the Orioles are inching closer to going back to a four-man bench mm -hmm. because of the success out of the bullpen. They don't need to carry eight guys out there anymore. So um, I think it's very possible that we'll see probably one of Evan Phillips or Josh Lucas get, uh, get optioned down to AAA. Mm -hmm. um, that way they can have a little bit more depth on the bench. And I think all that uh, is attributed to the success out of the bullpen. And because of the track record of some of these guys, I think there is a decent chance that they can keep it up. All right. And maybe one of those bench players, I mean, uh, you look at Dwight Smith Jr. He uh, went on the seven-day concussion protocol list uh, from running. He made that great catch out on left field, ran into the wall, uh, hurt his shoulder a little bit, but, you know, really banged his head. They, they, they likened it to a car wreck. Right, uh, he could come back. You could see a guy like Anthony Santander or Santander, depending on you know if you're listening to Kevin Brown or Jim Hunter. Um, you know, you could see Santander stay on the roster potentially. Now, guy was only hitting 263 in the minors, but he gets a call to the big league club. He homered in that doubleheader, his only game until he because he was a 26 man. Hits a home run in that game. Uh, Three for four last night with a double and an RBI. He's hitting 389 on the air. Small sample size. Really swinging a good stick and kind of solidifying right field for the Orioles while, and, and the outfield in general while Dwight Smith's down. Yeah, I mean, he has definitely done a great job since Smith has been out. Um, it looks like Smith may be uh, returning very soon mm -hmm. because he, he was just on the seven-day concussion 
injured list as opposed to the 10-day injured list. So he could be he could be back very soon. But if Brandon Hyde wants to get back to a four-man bench, when Smith comes back, Santander has a spot. Mm -hmm. You know, um, it it would make things a little bit more complicated once uh, DJ Stewart is ready to come back. But that would be an issue for another day. Well, right. And with DJ Stewart, love the guy. I think he has the potential to be a really solid major league player, but he's not performing, mm -hmm. right? And you know, he had three hits in that first ball game, and then I think he has two hits since. And it's one of those things where when he comes back, you know, he may he may be the one to go down and stick with the hot hand while you have it, and then let him go back down to the minor leagues and get some confidence and bring him back up. Uh, we, we're not quite sure about that. It's all speculation at this point. He has to get healthy first, but we'll see how that goes. Another guy contributing, this is a guy, Pedro Severino. All right, he was the top catching prospect in the Nationals organization. Uh, but he never swung the bat well, right? Defense far and away beyond his, his offensive capabilities. This year, 277, eight home runs, 18 RBIs. And the defense has actually struggled a little bit. I didn't realize he has five errors and five pass balls, but he's caught 56% uh, of base stealers. Ten, ten base stealers out of 18 have been caught by him. The offensive production, he had a three home run game the other day. We didn't see this coming, did we? No, we absolutely did not. I mean, when the Orioles claimed him, from Washington, I, I figured, okay, he's going to be a solid defensive backup. You know, I think every club can benefit from a backup catcher who is very strong defensively, which Severino has been. I had no idea about the five pass balls, but they, I guess they've been so uh, so spread out that they're not really that noticeable. And mm -hmm. I, I think despite those five pass balls, he's he's performed pretty well behind the plate. He performs well with the, with the pitchers, a good framer, good good at catching base stealers. He blocks and pitches in the dirt. Mm -hmm. Shows a lot of emotion, cares about what he's doing. And at the plate right now, Washington Nationals fans have to be going insane right now. Because right. They, just, just seeing him mash baseballs, especially off left-handed pitching. Left-handed pitching, he is absolutely killing it right now. For both for average and power. They had a guy in Wilson Ramos towards ACL. They let him walk, and then he, he's been a productive player for the Rays now with the Mets. Uh, Matt Wieters, he was okay, but now he's over in St. Louis hitting over 300. Now, granted, it's in a, a small sample size because Yadier Molina plays seven out of eight games there, uh, although I think he was injured for a little bit, so Wieters got some playing time. And then Pedro Severino, hitting 277 with the eight home runs and really producing offensively, one of the top catchers in the game right now, the Nationals had to be scratching their heads like, why can't we get a decent catcher to perform steadily in Washington? It's like the Orioles, they have a great, they have a bad pitcher go someplace else and performs well. Yeah, uh, definitely. Right, right now the Nationals have a pretty good duo in, in Gomes and Suzuki, so, so they're doing okay right there, especially from the defensive standpoint that, mm -hmm. that they handle that, that pitching staff of Scherzer and Strasburg and everybody else pretty well. So they're, they're sitting okay right now. I mean, I'm sure they'd love to have a starting catcher of Severino's caliber of what he's doing with the Orioles right now, but I think they're pretty set right now. And they, they're playing much better baseball. They've been a pretty hot ball club. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They, they, they started off really rough. They, they uh, had a lot of injuries early on to, to Soto, to Rendon, to Zimmerman. Pretty much everyone on that ball club mm -hmm. was injured at one point, and, and they really hurt from those injuries. But now they got everybody back at healthy, and they've been hot lately. Uh, who knows if it's uh, too little too late for them right now in a, in a division where, where the Phillies seem like they're running away with it right now with the Braves uh, along the top. So it may be too little too late, but if they keep it up and stay hot, the Nationals have a shot. 
Well, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, I think a lot of our fans would be inclined to prefer them to not play <laughs> particularly well. But, you know, getting back on topic a little bit here. Uh, now, the Orioles could have, like we said, Dwight Smith could be coming back to, to contribute uh, to the offense. Uh, Santander could stay. You have Mark Trumbo, who has, he's been okay at the minor league level, but they said he's running really well. He had a home run the other night. They said he'll be there for at least two more games, uh, but that was the other day, so he might have one game left. Not positive. When he comes back, a couple of things here. One, Santander being up and playing well allows the Orioles to not have to rush Austin Hayes. Uh, he got in nine games with Bowie, 14 with uh, um, nine games with Frederick, 14 with Bowie, and now he's up to Norfolk. I think we could see him stay there a little bit longer, um, especially with Santander playing well. I think that once he got to Norfolk, they, that's where they plan to keep him for the majority of the season, mm -hmm. um, unless he really forces their hand. But Trumbo coming back. Now look, you already have Renato Nunez, you already have Chris Davis, and then you're going to add Trumbo to the fold uh, and Trey Mancini to a lesser extent. Um, you basically have three or four guys who are statues over at first base if they get in the field at all, who are all bat, and that's about it. Uh, Davis plays a good plays a good defensive first base, but he can't hit, right? But Trumbo coming back could potentially, for a little bit anyway, silence the crowd who wants Ryan Mountcastle to come up because that guy still has to work on his plate discipline. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, there's still work left to be done for, for Mountcastle in AAA, whether fans want to believe it or not. I know Elias ha has preached that he wants everybody to get a solid year at each, at each minor league level. So it's very possible. I know fans probably don't want to hear this, but it's very possible we don't see Mountcastle at all this season. Mm -hmm. It's possible we don't see him until 2020. I know fans don't want to hear it, but that's very possible. As for Trumbo, um, his final rehab game is on Sunday, and that is the deadline. He can no longer play another rehab game after Sunday. Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting to see whether or not the Orioles go ahead and activate him after Sunday or if they want to uh, no longer have him participate in rehab games because he can't anymore unless they identify another injury. That would be the only way he can play in another rehab game. I assume they're not going to do that. Right. So it'll be interesting to see whether they activate him or just keep him on the injured list with, with no rehab. Uh, but bringing Trumbo back now, at the start of the season, it seemed like bringing Trumbo back into the fold wasn't a big deal. Mm -hmm. But now with Renato Nunez crushing it in the designated hitter's role, and with Nunez's uh, injury in spring training, I believe it was in, in his shoulder, so he couldn't play third base. Mm -hmm. Right, exactly. To throw the ball, so it's not like you can stick Nunez at third base unless he's fully healed right now, which we don't know. Mm -hmm. there, there hasn't been any news or anything about Nunez lately. Nunez is a below average defender, but I would imagine if he could play third base, there would be some games we'll see Renato Nunez at third base with Trumbo in the designated hitter's role. But right, right, but right now, it's tough for them to fit Trumbo back in the fold, uh, especially with the, uh, the, the lack of being able to fill in at first base designated hitter. And we may actually see Brandon Hyde trot Trumbo out there in the left or right field. Fans don't want to see it, but I think it's possible for the aspect that He's in his uh, he's in his contract year, mm -hmm. so he's a rental piece that I'm sure the Orioles would like to use as a trade chip at the deadline. So I imagine that they may even sacrifice a little bit of defense in the outfield just to get him at bats, just to see if some club will come calling for him. Right. I don't think they'd, they'd allow him to come off the the injured list if he couldn't play the outfield. I mm -hmm. don't think they want to be hampered by that. 
Um, and I think that they do want to get as much out of Trumbo as they can because they want to trade him and they want to get relief from that. I think he's owed 12 or 13 million this year mm -hmm. um, and he hasn't played an inning for them. So that's all, he's basically getting free money from them. It's, it's one of those things where they want him to come in, they want him to perform so they can trade him and get relief. They don't care who they get back for Trumbo, just get him off the ball club at this point. So uh, that's going to do it for us here on the payoff pitch presented by DNL Window Tinting on Fanimal Radio. Uh, really want to thank Dylan Atkinson for joining me today. Um, really great Orioles talk here. And hopefully we'll have you back in studio soon and we can talk a little bit more Orioles baseball with you. I appreciate it, Paul. Thanks for having me on again. Absolutely. Uh, once again, I'm Paul Valley. Thanks for tuning into the Payoff Pitch. Uh, please subscribe to us on iTunes. Go follow me at Paul Valley III on Twitter. Uh, Dylan, what's your uh, Twitter handle? Uh, you can find me at Dylan T. Atkinson on Twitter. Okay, great. Uh, give us both a follow. Follow the show on Twitter the, at the Payoff Pitch 1. And again, subscribe to us on iTunes. And we'll talk to you next week.